Hi, I'm Ray from Insert Quest here, and this morning we're talking to Spencer and Caleb about their upcoming board game, Party Foul. Hey, thanks for having us. That's Caleb, by the way. <laughs> this is the voice of Caleb, and... Hi, Ray and others. This is Spencer. Wonderful. Uh, so, you know, they sound a bit different, although I, I know they, they, they sound American, but we'll, we'll, we'll deal with it. <laughs> um, I'm sure you'll, you'll work out how to pass it. Um, so... I wanted to start off with a uh, bit of a, a, a fun, flirty question um, about uh, would you be able to tell us uh, one thing that the internet might know you from and one thing that the internet might not know you from? Spencer, you want to take this first? Let's do this. So uh, the internet might know me from the Mixed Six podcast. Uh, Caleb and I, along with uh, Ross Payton from Role Playing Public Radio, host a podcast called The Mix Six, where we drink six beers, we have six conversations. Uh, as we get a little drunker, if I'm being totally honest, we try to make the conversations a little more dense. Uh, we talk about pop culture, we talk about books, movies, sports, TV, philosophy, and everything in between. Uh, the internet probably doesn't know me uh, from VH1's World Series of Pop Culture because I never made it on the show. Uh, but in 2007, he said, question mark, Caleb, uh, we drove to Chicago yeah. and tried out. Yeah, we definitely had matching jumpsuits. It yeah. would have been great. That is a very good answer. And Caleb? Uh, you would know me on the internet from all the things Spencer mentioned, because uh, we do those together. Um, I also run a game company called Heaven on Games, and I've recently, uh, my most recent game besides Party Foul is Red Markets, which is an RPG, and I, I've written RPGs before. Um, what you wouldn't know me from, um, when I was a kid, I, I played uh, football, American football. and Gridiron. Uh, my, yes, the, the gridiron, as they say. Uh, and I have uh, very wet eyes, so contacts are not good, and I'm also blind. Um, so after tackling my own players a number of times, I was going to be kicked off the team unless I got vision correct and I couldn't do contacts. So I got recreation spectacles, or rec specs, as they're called. Um, and uh, everyone on the team loved them because they made me look completely ridiculous. And I was just happy to have attention. So I wore them for pretty much six months in a very bad choice. So there are pictures out, pictures out there, many of which I've burned. Uh, me wearing, you know, very terrible, like, uh, swimming goggle glasses just like in school because uh, I had a bad decision-making skills at that time. So. Yeah, but it got you attention, so... I yeah, mean... yeah, I, it, some kind of attention, yes. Hey, Bibs so. on Very Wet Eyes as the name of the <laughs> high school emo band. I was going to say, Rexpec sounds like a piece of gear from like a Shadowrun gearbook that like gives you the weak points on a structure so that you get like a plus... 10 d6s or whatever it revealed the weak is. points on me which yeah. was my sense of taste uh yeah. and everyone saw that so uh it sounds like a piece yeah. of technical gear but it's actually a social item ah interesting cool so i thought we might kick things uh or, or roll on from there rather um we normally talk uh, a little bit about what people have done in the past um, I don't want to spend uh, too much uh, time on that, um, just because, you know, we're here to talk about your new game, Party Foul, but uh, if you could give a brief overview of game your game design experience. 
so my game design experience, I have uh, kickstarted two projects of my own. Uh, the first was a series of uh, systemless horror scenarios uh, set in the American Great Depression called No Security. And then the latest has been Red Markets, which is uh, a game of economic horror, uh, which um, is basically a poverty simulator, simulator based on my life experiences and experience in education with some uh, zombies thrown in there to keep it from being too real. Uh, and then I've done a number of freelancing for games like Eclipse Phase and Delta Green. But as you can probably see, if you know anything about RPGs, that's a pretty dark catalog. Um, and so Party Foul is sort of our palate cleanser for that. And it is in no way that fraught or depressing like everything else I've ever done up until this point. So, uh, Spencer? Yeah, so alternatively, uh, I have what some might call very little, what others may call none in terms of <laughs> experience or design experience. Um, so I kind of um, came to this by way of having been uh, a just giant fan of games generally. Uh, Caleb and I play a lot of games. My wife and I uh, play board games in our free time. Uh, and then kind of like having having been Caleb and Ross adjacent uh, through the Red Markets process and RPPR for role-playing public radio for a number of years. Uh, once once Caleb got through at least kind of the initial portion of the red market slog, um, he and I had been talking about kind of like casually designing a couple of different games for a long time. And he, he like frantic, frantically texted me one day this idea, and that was the one that stuck, I guess. That's always how it starts, right? Or at least in my experience, it's like, oh, yeah, let's just design a game for fun. And then it's like, no, wait, hang on, this could be good. It actually started as a different game that had like deeper themes and stuff. And then I texted him and was like, but wait, what if it was about ducks and mm-hmm. duck based puns? Mm-hmm. And then we just ran with that for a year instead. So it was the right choice. So why don't you tell us about this duck game and its duck based puns? Uh, so, uh, the, the idea as it came to me was based off, uh, Spencer and I have known each other for what, like 14 years now? 14. Yeah. 2004. Yeah, uh, and uh, was, many of it was my RA at college. Um, yes, to give you a sense. I don't think that Australia has any analog to that role. So, uh, resident advisor. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so like, I uh, thought that might have been like one of the dorm room things because we don't yes. have, really have dorms. Oh, it is a dorm room thing. Yeah, we don't really yes. have dorms. Like a hired narc. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, it feels like just yesterday, because most of those 14 years were spent drunk. Um, and so we have a lot of experience. Uh, and we were talking about those days and um, the sort of mechanics came to me of uh, partying as war game, um, as this zero sum game to be cool. Uh, and, uh, we, I kind of ran with that. Uh, but I realized very quickly that no one wants to play me at a party because why would you, that's a difficulty selling no one wants. Um, and the rec specs, but yeah, uh, the rec specs, I I don't do it very well, despite my love of the game. And, uh, so then we made a, uh, bad pun about party foul, but spelled with a W. And what if this party game was about ducks partying? And then... From there, we just kind of let the duck puns take over. We blacked out, and uh, when we woke up, there was a whiteboard full of uh, a staggering number of duck puns and uh, a few mechanics. So that that was how the idea came about. Yeah, cool. So the game plays um, pretty tightly. So so like character players 
play as ducks. Uh, they're students at Duck University or Duck U. Uh, mm-hmm. And finals week, and they need to blow off some steam. So someone has uh, has built a nice little house party. Uh, and so players will modularly construct the house before every game, which means that every game is potentially different as rooms in the house are moved around. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, yeah. And players move throughout the house uh, trying to be the coolest in specific conversation types. So parties are notoriously clicky. And so the jocks have moved out to the deck to talk about sports. The nerds have moved to the basement to talk about games. Uh, the theater kids have moved to the bedroom to talk about the arts. Uh, oh, know, yeah, that's what like, the theater kids are talking about in the bedroom. Arts. Yeah, right, right. As a With former the theater. theater kid, they're <laughs> talking about the arts, but continue. With all of their chastity and Puritan values. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, the gearheads are in the garage talking about cars and tools and stuff. So anyways, um, there are um, a number of different rooms in the house. And as you move from room to room, your goal is to play cards, which are associated with that conversation type in order to score points. And that's- so that's where the board game mechanic comes in. So you need to, if you say have a handful of cards uh, that will make you very practical, you need to get to the garage and play those cards so you become cooler. Mm. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, the other mechanics in there with that movement is that uh, parties are also uh, can be notoriously kind of bitchy, um, and you can sabotage the coolness of other ducks. So that's where the fouls come in, oh. which are which are cards like uh, spilling a beer or breaking something or getting into a fight. That um, if you're in the same room as a duck, you can slide over their cards and use to erase their cool points. Um, so it becomes sort of a strategic area control game. Yeah, cool. So how difficult is it to move? I mean, obviously you have the party files, but how, what is the mechanics for moving from one room to the other? Is it just, oh, I go to this room or do you, do you have a certain amount of spaces you have to move? Does it take, do you have a allotted amount of movement? Sure. So... Uh, unlike traditional games where players have actions, in Party Foul, players have quactions. Completely original concept. Yeah, 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 I uh, see. And uh, players start the game with up to three quactions that they can take on every turn. They can draw a card from either what we call the party deck, which is where most of the scoring cards are, or the keg deck, uh, which is located in the kitchen, which is the center of the party. And it's where you can draw drinks, which are point modifiers and bonus cards that'll make you cooler throughout the game. Mm -hmm. So players can draw with one of their quactions. With another quaction, they can move, and a move counts moving from one room to another room. Or they can play a card out of their hand. But those three quactions are probably not, by the end of the game, all of the things that players can do. As you move from room to room... Uh, and you score the most points in certain conversation types. For example, as I score the most points in the basement, which are games-based conversations, then I also get the power associated with the basement that gives me an additional quaction every turn, and I return that power until other players score more points in that zone. So it's kind of like having longest road in Catan, except that you actually get a like a, a cool power. That's exactly right. And each room has a different power. One room lets you look at the top three cards of either deck before you decide to take your quactions. One room allows you to draw an additional card every turn. Another room allows you to gain an additional movement every turn. So there are variable powers placed throughout the house, 
So there's a lot of value in figuring out what rooms you'd like to control based on what they give you. Mm -hmm. And some cards also just provide free questions on their own. So um, Mingle, for example, allows you to take two additional actions of a certain type, as does Motor Mouth. So we've kind wow, of like... additional questions. Yeah, that's right. Two more questions. That's right. <laughs> because it's an original concept wholly separate from actions. That's exactly yes. right. Uh, we've really redefined the board gaming space with mm. quactions. Uh, another question about the movement. You said that you can spend an action, a quaction, sorry, to move from one room to another. Do you have to move through rooms in sequence? So if you have the, like, could, can you just teleport from the garage to the basement or do you have to go through the lounge room or whatever? Oh uh, yeah, you have to go through rooms. Uh, so when you lay out the modular board, the only rule is that the the door has to be connecting to one other room in the house. Mm -hmm. um, so there is a card that allows you to teleport called Air Ducts, uh, where you just sort of burst through a wall into a different room. Uh, but that's a special card. Uh, but the modular uh, board, you, you have these you have these doors that connect the different rooms that you have to move through, um, which is another fun part of the modular board because ducks are terrible at architecture. So, like, maybe the only way into the kitchen is through a bathroom, and that's fine because ducks are terrible at architecture. Uh, so the, you can put the basement can, not on the ground floor. <laughs> yeah, you can uh, <laughs> sort of build these wacky houses that make no logical sense, but um, provide unique gameplay challenges. So we've played the game where the house is like one long corridor where you're just this endless hallway that goes around, or it can be like this really tight, tight knit square or it can have these odd offshoots. Um, so yeah, uh, the, the modular board placement is sort of part of the strategy when you build the house. It kind of reminds me a little bit of... Um... The I the modular aspect of that reminds me a little bit of um, Betrayal at the House on Haunted Hill, I think is the format. Yeah, yeah, a little bit like that. Except you that you your, lay it all out beforehand, which is cool. Yeah, you see your you see your first hand before you uh, lay tile. So if you draw uh, the garage and you don't have any cards that score in there, um, you might put it three tiles away from the kitchen because you just want to screw people over who have that in their hand. But then later on in the game, if you get a ton of cards that score there, you've sort of screwed yourself over. Do you start at the front door or is there a room that you start in? Uh, everyone starts in the kitchen with the keg because, right. you know, yeah, party, yeah. Uh, you turn up at the party, you go get a drink. <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, cool, cool. Um, so, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit more about some of these wacky... Um, bird puns that you've put into the game, uh, and and uh, where do you, did you find that you did you ever find that you had more puns than cards to put them to, or did you, or was it the other way around, perhaps? Infinitely more puns than we had room for. Um, yeah. For two reasons: one, partially of our own making, um, punning is kind of like our pastime, uh, and so it just. I mean, we've been. You know, we, we've been building the thing for a year, and every time we play it, someone has a new pun uh, that we haven't heard. And so just kind of like we organically collected them. And when you tell people you're making a game about ducks getting drunk and that it's, you know, pun heavy, like the amount, you just become a pun magnet kind of for other things. But then at other times, and especially in order to build some of our um, other collateral, like the website and some of the character lore, um, we just asked the internet for duck puns and were literally overwhelmed. 
at the amount of duck puns that we received. <laughs> yeah, we uh, I thought of, we thought of a card the other day called Peking Duck, where you get to look at somebody's hand. That was just I can't believe that we went so long without using that one. Right, and that's um, the trick. Like we're so far down the pun rabbit hole that we've probably missed some obvious ones too. And can't now see, can't see the ducks through the pond. That's exactly <laughs> right. Yes, yes, correct. Uh, yeah, so uh, one of our expansion goals is to get more art. And what we'd like to do is to make every drink card in the deck a distinct duck-themed drink. Um, and so we, we just put out puns for that, uh, and we got hundreds of responses. Like, we could put out enough duck puns to put out a 200-card deck if we wanted to. Um, so, yeah, there's definitely more puns than there are cards. <laughs> awesome. Well, I guess my next question then, considering it's game about ducks getting drunk and you do a podcast where you get drunk and you've done events where you help other people get drunk so i guess my question is how easy is it to get drunk to this game and could you say drink along with the ducks so there's actually um, it's very easy to get drunk during the game but if you try hard enough ray you can get drunk during any game uh well yes but i mean is does the game become difficult to play when drunk uh not in my experience but that might be an expertise issue um you can drink while you play you you don't have to the the game doesn't play differently at its core if you do or don't drink but we do have an expansion as a stretch goal uh called ducked up which would turn the game into a drinking game as a mechanic caleb you want to talk about the ducked up mechanic Yes. So uh, when we made the game, we, we recognize that there are, are many um, in our board game loving space that uh, I believe the American term would be teetotaling uh, that are that don't care to drink. And that's fine. I'm we want them to have fun. That term, too. It's very strange. <laughs> uh, and uh, that is uh, something that we wanted to allow. And so you can play the game. Totally. Oh, oh, microphone cut out there. We lost to Caleb. Uh, you can play the game uh, without drinking. Uh, you know, it's totally fine. The game doesn't play any differently. You can still draw the cards, you can make the puns, and you're good to go. Uh, but you could also, in the ducked up expansion... Crimes. Oh, you're back. You're back. Oh, you're back. Oh, I cut out. Sorry. Yeah, you did cut out. Sorry. Um, <laughs> Jump back uh, in there. I just finished explaining that you could play the game without drinking. Yes. Yeah, so you can play without drinking, but we wanted to make uh, a game uh, variant where you have to play with drinking. Um, and if you've ever played Five Tribes, it's a little similar to that, only using a deck mechanic, in that you're sort of betting your sobriety for an initiative order um, and, uh, you know, drawing from a deck to do that. But, I think you might have to go into more detail there because, uh, yeah, I've not played that game. Uh, so Five Tribes, you can sort of um, – there's, there's not a fixed initiative order. Mm -hmm. um, you sort of constantly bid victory points on who's going to get to go first the next turn, because it's extremely wow. important as to who is going in the initiative. Um, whereas in the ducked up deck, we're going to allow you to uh, bid on that 
only what you're betting is pulls from the ducked up deck and the ducked up deck is going to order you to take drinks. Uh, but not everything will make you take drinks. Sometimes you can order other people to take drinks and it was good for you to pull that card or it might uh, initiate some sort of uh, drinking game rule on you uh, like a game of death or a, a, any of the, you know, classics around the world. Uh, so um, kind you're of basically an opportunity here where, your game could be used to play other games. <laughs> yes. Uh, so you're sort of um, yeah, gambling on these card pulls, most of which will make you drink, uh, which is the betting mechanic. But sometimes you can get lucky and, and screw other people over with your card pull. pull. But uh, you're basically betting, well, I'll pull three of these if I get to go first this round. Um, and then you're sort of negotiating for that mechanic. So. Ah, yes, I see. That mm. Cool. Um, nice. Uh, so, uh, you mentioned that you had an idea for a game before this game that was similar but with darker themes. <laughs> Is any of that game in this game? Uh, uh, I don't think we... Do we have a game with that other duck theme? I don't think I'm... Uh, we had a different game that was like right, right, right. actually seriously themed. Okay. Uh, that we were going to do before this. And then we were just like, what if it was just ducks at a party instead? I wasn't sure if it was similarly, like used similar mechanics, but was just a completely different skin or if, oh, it, was, no. or if it was about drinking, but it was, you know, about alcoholism. And... <laughs> Cause you said it was a darker game. So no, like... no, it was a darker game. Sorry. Uh, I meant to say that. Uh, yeah, no, 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 yeah, 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 that's what I said. It's, it was yeah. a, you said that it was a. Uh, we do have a we do have a turkey game we're thinking about that's about <laughs> serial murder. But, <laughs> oh, okay, uh, how is that related to turkeys? Well, I guess. Uh, well, I mean, if you if you look at uh, you know U.S. Thanksgiving traditions and the sort of pageantry that goes along displaying a bird corpse, I mean, it's pretty dark. Like kind of less display of turkey corpses yeah there's sort of like there's sort of like this presentation aspect and Mm -hmm. these like dark you know just really perverted ways of like oh we're gonna stuck we're gonna stick a turkey inside this we're gonna stick a chicken inside this turkey and then a duck inside that chicken and like yeah i mean if you were a turkey cop you the new guy would be throwing up in the corner (laughs) that's like (laughs) like a terrifying aspect so we thought about something like that but you know we're, we're working on the duck game right now. Yeah, fair enough, fair enough. Um, so are there any other in uh, things in mind for stretch goals or um, anything like that? Like that, And then maybe we can talk a little bit more in depth about the Kickstarter campaign. Because you mentioned that you were looking to do the expansion, obviously, and looking to get more art. Uh, are there other things like that that you're hoping to try and get done? Spencer, you want to take it away? Yeah, for sure. So uh, there are two expansions in the stretch goals. One is the ducked up expansion which would as we've talked about turn the game into uh, a game with a built-in drinking mechanic but there's actually a base game expansion that adds two new rooms to the house the it's a second bedroom and an office we call it the business and pleasure expansion Uh, it would add new rooms new cards more characters and more art so we've got the business pleasure expansion we've got the ducked up expansion we've got more art caleb what am i missing uh, better component quality. Right. So, better component. Uh, at a certain rate, we'll up to you know the highest quality backed cards that the printer officer offers, and you know the highest quality cardboard and stuff like that. Uh, yeah. So yeah, typical board game Kickstarter stuff. 
Yeah, definitely. So let's get a little bit more in depth into the Kickstarter campaign. Um, do you have a date when your Kickstarter is kicking off? Uh, we are going to shoot for May twenty third, and uh, we'll see Which if my we'll see if my bank cooperates and verifies the account in time. Uh, for you went Australia, Ken, for a second. We'll see if my bank cooperates. <laughs> sorry, sorry. This is what I feel that I did not, in fact, get the real Caleb and Spencer. I hired actors because <laughs> yes. me enough it's money. An to elaborate do that. ruse. Um, <laughs> Uh, and, uh, yeah, so we're going to shoot for, uh, Wednesday, May 23rd. And if not very shortly after that, uh, we'll just see how the banking stuff situates. Yeah, the 23rd or whatever day we can scramble to is close to the 23rd. Yeah. Hopefully before the end of May. Yeah, definitely <laughs> before the end of May. Yeah. Fantastic. So, uh, as of listening to this, the Kickstarter is probably already live, uh, yes. and there'll be a link. Uh, in the in, there'll be a link in the show description as well as on the main WordPress article. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, so what plans do you have to draw in attention to your Kickstarter and things like that? Like how are you getting it out there? Obviously, you're doing an interview with this with a very prestigious podcast. <laughs> yes, uh, we're plugging it on our own podcast, um, RPPR, of course, uh, which is sort of our parent podcast where we came from. Um, Twitter, Facebook, um, part of the game stretch goals are social stretch goals. I was going to so say. If you tweet or, or if you like our Facebook page or follow our Twitter, uh, we'll be adding things to the game as just as soon as we hit a total overall number. Um, so we have multiple social stretch goals to do that and contests where we're giving away, you know, free shirts and things like that for randomly selected, uh, participants. Um, we're buying ads, we're posting, uh, everywhere we have ever been on the internet. Um, I will be, uh, messaging everyone who's ever backed anything I've ever done. And, uh, I'm not sorry. Uh, just you don't have to click the link if you don't want to um but yeah we were it's going to be a publicity blitz for these these drunk ducks we'll see uh, uh, we'll see ads of ours on board game geek as soon as it's live we we really have tried to take you know the interesting one of the interesting things about red markets caleb's previous game is that he kind of had like a four-year tail on it because the design and the development of the game was very like public through role-playing public radio and his kind of immersion into that space and Party Foul has been very public through the Mix 6 and through role-playing public radio, but it's also just had a shorter tail because we've been trying to be really efficient and get this thing knocked out. And so we're also adding in like more traditional media outlets, um, buying Facebook ads, buying Board Game Geek ads, doing live events and public events where we can. So we've been doing uh, about as much as possible here in the run-up to make sure that everyone we know who might be interested knows the thing is, is going to be available. And I will also be at Origins demoing the game during the Kickstarter, uh, as well as Fear the Con in St. Louis. So I'll be uh, pounding the pavement, so to speak, to promote the game. <laughs> Wonderful. Uh, cool. So uh, I think now we might talk about, so following the tradition of your own podcast, uh, we might talk about some slightly heavier topics. Uh, in particular, I wanted to talk about... Um, what kind of uh, fears you may have had coming into this uh, into this project? Um, uh, uh, in, in particular, I'm interested in hearing if uh, 
how, how it made Spencer feel seeing is this is the first uh, game of any kind that Spencer's put out. Uh, so I'm interested in hearing how you dealt with any anxiety over that kind of stuff and or how you are dealing with it. Yeah, de- dealing with it definitely in the present tense, especially in the run-up to Kickstarter. Um, you know, it's such a good question, and it's um, it's just been a real weird thing. And so uh, Caleb was not lying earlier when he said that we just, like, sat down at my kitchen table and just whiteboarded a game one night, right? Just, like, wrote it all out, had some beers. Next thing we knew, bingo, bango, it was a game. That was on May 26th, 2017. And... I don't know if it's because Caleb had already had a really successful Kickstarter. Um, I don't know if it's because, like, our intention was always to do something more in the, like, product space. But, like, literally the moment we got that thing out on a whiteboard, it was like, well, yeah, obviously we're going to Kickstart this. And so um, Kickstarter actually hasn't been been an anxiety-inducing thing for me until the last, like, couple of weeks. But in the lead up to it... um, I was never worried about the game design. Um, I knew that whatever I couldn't come up with or whatever I couldn't connive to make the thing work, that Caleb would more than make up for that. He's a natural at this stuff. Uh, I was never worried about the marketing bit because that's what I I work for a custom web design and and digital marketing studio. The stuff that that I worried about was um, like going to Metatopia for the first time to play test the thing with strangers. Um, Partially because I'd not, I'd never been to a con and, you know, Metatopia is more of a conference than convention. I get that, but I'd never been to a big open public space where people sat down and played things and hung out with strangers. And while doing that also critiqued this thing you've been working on. Uh, I remember the first time I demoed it, not at Metatopia. We, we did a, a convention here a few weeks ago in Springfield called Moon City Con. And demoing it for people. We, we did International Tabletop Day at a local GameStop. Demoing it for strangers. That stuff, anxiety might not be the right word, but it's probably pretty close to, just because it's new. Uh, and after I've done it a few times, I felt great about it. And now, now I don't mind it. I'm looking forward to going to Gen Con in August and showing the game to people. You know, Caleb and Ross and I did a live event for the podcast last week. Uh, and I enjoyed showing the game to people and talking through the mechanics. And so all of that stuff's starting to feel very natural. Now the anxiety uh, is really about Kickstarter and not just will the game do well or not do well, uh, which, you know, I'll be pukey about that until it does or doesn't. But also, like, you know, Caleb has done this a couple of times and, and relatively they've all gone really well. And Red Markets, not relatively, just did very well. And so I also have this, like, latent fear that this thing is going to underperform and Caleb will, you know, silently sit somewhere and be like, that son of a bitch, you know, I added him in. And here we are. So (laughs) so there's a little bit of that. But other than that, at this point, like, I'm telling myself we've done what we need to do to make a great game, to put it in front of the right people, and to pray to whatever that it works. Yeah. Caleb, do you have anything to add on that topic? Uh, I'm, I'm very afraid of personal failure. And so that's why in this project, I've really brought along a patsy that I can just shift the blame to <laughs> if anything goes wrong. There we go. That feels right. Um, uh, no, uh, in all seriousness, um, I think doing game design and like, I, I hate talking about it like an old veteran, but like what I've learned in doing it is that it's very much not about making the anxiety go away, but it's learning what is like realistic, helpful anxiety and and what is not realistic helpful anxiety um so I mean, like, that's just good life advice yeah when when shipping comes along uh, i'm gonna have a lot of anxiety because it can go so wrong so quickly 
um, and I'm going to really entitled. Yeah, learn all I can about it, and uh, use all the lessons I've used, learned hard hard lessons I've learned previously to do it right. Um, but then there's stuff like you know questioning your own concept. Like I wrote a zombie game. And everyone's like, it's a zombie game. No one needs a zombie game in 2018. And then it got like 2,000 backers or something when you had the bagger kit together. And now I'm like doing this duck game. And there's still people who are just like, a drunk duck game. Everyone's seen those. It's so old news. And like, so now I know I'm like, oh, okay, that's just a brand of person. Like, because... I think I think we're cornering the drunk duck market. Actually, I was going to uh, say I've I'm, I'd heard of zombie games before. <laughs> yeah, red markets. I've I've never heard of a drunk duck game. I've heard <laughs> of games about like drunks and parties. It's <laughs> kind of a party too, but I've not heard of combining that with duck puns, which seems like <laughs> such a no-brainer too. Because party foul is pretty ubiquitous term in America. Yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I was just, uh, so, like, I just, I think that's another reason it went faster, in addition to having, like, all of Spencer's help, which has been enormously helpful, um, having gone through the red markets thing, where, like, playtest, early playtest notes were like, nope, there goes Caleb again, we'll just give him a minute. Caleb also has notoriously bad internet. Uh, this is this is very good compared to like his microphone quality is very good compared to the first interview I did with Caleb, uh, which you can find uh, on Insert Quest. Here we talked about red markets. Made things uh, go a lot faster. There he is. There he is. Damn Damn it. Every time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think we. Where did we lose him at? Uh, you were. He was talking about you know uh, other than having me on board as a patsy or help. I don't remember which 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 one it was this time. Uh, having gone through the red markets experience, how you know what you took from that? Yeah, when when you go through a, a lengthy playtest cycle, you can sort of uh, learn which which comments are really there to help you design a better game, and which ones are can easily be parsed out. Um, and that is something every designer has to go through. Uh, but when you've seen it before or multiple times, it, it goes a lot faster. So I think that's another reason this went a lot because we play tested the hell out of it. What are we on iteration like six? Yeah, at least. I mean, we we've been through so many. We we were keeping a pretty uh, extensive spreadsheet of play tests of like scoring and time and number of players. And we were going through so many rules variants that we just started giving them all like ridiculous titles and new sheets to try new scoring. So like crunchy, non-crunchy, crunchy with doubles. I mean, it was just like, it looked like a fast food menu at some point. Crunchy with extra cheese. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, ways that you could order your fries. I mean, it was just like very weird. Um, crunchy, no mayo, pickles on the side. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and so like, we're better at organizing that than I used to be. And, and you're better at parsing feedback from that than I used to be. So yeah, uh, that that's what I'm I'm taking from it. And that's what's helping ease my anxiety. Yeah, wonderful. Um, and if you want to hear more from uh, Caleb about uh, Caleb and Ross about uh, game design uh, stuff, you can check out Game Designers Workshop uh, over on Role Playing Public Radio. That's a, that's a podcast series that I often recommend to people when they look to me and say, "Ray, how do you like design a game?" I'm like, Ugh. I don't know. Just fucking give it a go. I guess, really? Yeah, that's uh, pretty much it. Uh, but if you really want to, you know, feel commiseration, go check out this podcast. Uh, we've also done a, a, a couple of, we've done a couple with Ross to talk about party foul in, in, in uh, uh, detail. 
Mm. So yeah, we've talked about that. That should be up too by the time this is up. Yeah, wonderful. So there'll be more more content uh, specific to board gaming as well, because obviously originally Game Designers Workshop was mostly focused on role playing games, but still yep. lots of lots of useful information for um, game design in general. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to ask uh, individuals towards the end of the interviews uh, what they are what what there might be on the future horizon um, for their game design. Uh, plans or their design plans in general. Um, so uh, often we get the response of I'm just trying to get through this game, but there's also this little side project that I've got about uh, about dinosaur princesses. I'm not sure yet if the dinosaurs are the princesses or the princesses rule over dinosaurs. It's unclear. <laughs> um, that is from the designer of the sprawl, Hamish, uh, by the way. He is working on a on that game, and I'm very I, into I, I want to play that game regardless of the answer. I so. know, right? That's exactly That's a good how pitch I already. Uh, so, um, what what things do you guys have uh, have on the horizon? So, um, you know, like Caleb mentioned, we yeah. First, to to be a bit of a like a like a stereotype or whatever. Yeah, yes, we really just want to get through Party Foe. There, we got that out of the way. Uh, next, so. Caleb and I have like talked about building out the party foul universe a little bit. So not, um, not necessarily with ducks, but like, so this Turkey game, for example, and another idea we've been kicking around, what if uh, there was an extended universe of animals in very weird situations, like as, (laughs) or, um, you know, as members of a, of a voting electoral body. And so we've kind of like talked about expanding um, into other game variants and then building this animals doing weird shit universe in such a way that at some point you could also have like a munchkin blender style game where you bring all of the weird animals who are doing weird things together uh, and they can do stuff with each other. Um, So we've talked about doing all this stuff. We have no firm plans, at least for these things right now, other than to like maybe explore them um, after we get through this window. But Caleb also has like some other really cool game ideas um, independently that he's like been looking to explore that he'll probably want to talk about. Uh, yeah, I've been forbidden from doing a Kickstarter for a year um, after Party Foul by my significant other. So uh, there will be a bit of a hiatus. Uh, I mean, you could do a GoFundMe. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I have some ideas for RPGs. Uh, I kind of want to do a uh, medical-themed RPG mm-hmm. uh, in the realm of like House or Scrubs or Grey's Anatomy. Uh, and it's a deduction game about... Uh, figuring out what the disease is in time um, that uh, I also want to make it uh, require no actual medical knowledge. Mm. So uh, the idea is to call it Dr. Witch Doctor, and there will be a list of 100 made up supernatural things. And there will be a list of 100 actual medical things. And uh, the basic premise would be the game would be run through an app. That's what I envision it where it randomly selects those. And then through your role playing, you discover what the disease is and you find out they have dental ghosts or intestinal lycanthropy or something. Um, so, uh, but I have a lot of play testing to do on that before that's anything. Um, I also kind of wanted to do a game where you kill superheroes. Uh, so it's sort of a, uh, I call it slingstone, but um uh, again, War. It is the, uh, <laughs> the greatest yeah. crossover in the history of movies. 
Yeah, uh, I actually did that uh, for sure. Um, but yeah, Are you sure I, you I, want to attach your name to that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll see. Do you um, want to take ownership of that? Uh, maybe uh we'll see how the second one turns out uh which i've obviously already shot um so yeah that that one i think i i keep on thinking of that one as a card based game rpg uh where it's very much about you know if you're gonna take down not batman uh you're gonna have to build a hell of a trap and so it's very much about a sort of collecting sets that you can use to uh you know as a res as a card resolution mechanic to sort of take him down for whatever your uh, reasons of revenge are. Cause it, it's very much, um, you're not super villains. It's very much average people who are tired of being ruled over by um, sort of meta human gods. But I think there's a Brandon Sanderson book like that. Yes. Uh, there, there's a quite a few stuff. There's Garth Ennis is the boys. There's the steel heart series by Brandon Sanderson. Um, it's sort of its own genre of, of deconstructing superheroes, but it doesn't have a lot of, uh, representation in the RPG space because mm -hmm. everyone wants to play the superheroes. Uh, so I wanted to be the the uh, murder superheroes game. But uh, again, I am forbidden from uh, going to Kickstarter for a while after Party Fell. Just put uh, it out for free. Just as the oh yeah, all right, yeah, definitely <laughs> do that. Last, last game play tested for four years. Just here you go, everybody. Um, <laughs> yeah. So hey, uh, what you I, want? Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I've got some red market stuff to still put out. We we have all our rewards out, but we're still doing stretch goals. And then uh, party foul. Who knows how that's gonna take up my time? So I'm not committing to anything. Be it uh, Spencer and I board game projects or RPGs or yeah, go back to the cliche. We're, we're just gonna try and get through this Kickstarter first. Yeah, exactly. We're gonna get through this Kickstarter. Um, <laughs> yeah. I remembered another question that I wanted to ask, um, and this will be slightly out of order. We really should have finished with that question because this this question might end up being a bit too dark. Um, but I wanted to talk about um, representation in your board game and uh, how important representation uh, is to you as designers and how you have tried to incorporate that into your game about ducks. Uh, Spencer, you want to take away on this? or I can handle it. Well, I mean, yeah, we can we can fumble our way through this. Um, so uh, it was very important. And, um, you know, it was kind of an interesting thing that when we were at Metatopia, um, a, a gentleman whose feedback I was generally not listening to, um, not because I'm an asshole. I mean, I am an asshole, but this is not me being an asshole um, because he was an asshole and it was not a good experience. And we um, most of what he was saying was absurd. And then at one point he pointed at the ducks and he said like, also, you know, where's your diversity? And I thought like, well, we have, we have, we have, uh, we have a lot of diversity. We've got drakes, we've got hens, we have different colored ducks. I mean, we've kind of like run the gamut here. Um, but it struck me as like a, uh, I mean, I guess we could do more, but I'm not, I'm not sure what more looks like here. And so then Caleb and I, I mean, we, we went to the bar and we had a beer and we like talked about, what to do here. And like, we had a bunch of interesting conversations early, mid, and still to this day, like about some of the backstories that don't really get explored in the lore of the game. Um, but like how, you know, what, what, what the orientations of certain ducks are and is there value in representing those things? And, and what does that look like? You know, does, does it feel weird to push representation in a game that is also one big joke pun? Does it look like, 
we're not taking the issue seriously when we take it very seriously. I mean, it's just, it's been uh, like kind of an interesting evolutionary conversation. I don't know. Uh, Caleb, what do you think? Yeah. Uh, so where we landed on that, um, the, the diversity issue, we do have a, a wide range of colors for the ducks. Uh, we have gender parity amongst the uh, playable duck characters. Um, other than that, Spencer and I just have sort of head cannons as to the gender identification of certain ducks and sexual orientation. Uh, but at, including that in the game when there's no mechanical benefit for that, and you could just role play that to be whatever you want. Um, we didn't really want to do that because it felt sort of exploitative. Um, so we do, we do feel like diversity and representation is important, but I don't want to be like, Hey, this duck is transgendered wink, wink by my game. Cause that feels sick and gross when that's never going to come up in play unless you want it to. Um, so yeah, we, we have diversity amongst our, you know, cartoon ducks and, uh, we are very proud of it. And duck you is a melting pot. Uh, but, uh, you know, we don't have like extensive backstories for the ducks because you are the ducks. So, right. Um, yeah, pick the duck that you feel best represents you and, uh, have an extensive role-playing experience by quacking to your friends and uh larp it if you want just get a costume i I, whatever you want to do with it that that's how we would like the representation to go beyond the art you have left empty space for uh players to inject uh their own uh their own stories yes yeah Uh, in fact we we hope they do that you know that the game plays really well as a tabletop card-based board game but but the game, because of its interactivity, plays really well as an opportunity for emergent play and identity and themes to show up and, you know, really uh, texture and influence the, the interaction. So get after it. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, look, I, I'm glad that we had an opportunity to talk about that because I had, I, had um, I had seen you uh, trying to tackle uh, that uh, in some of, the, uh, some of the spaces that we uh, both that we all uh, interact in. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to um, talk about that, uh, especially having seen how you decided to land. I think that is important for you to have your voice heard on that, uh, that topic. Yeah. We, yeah. It's, it, it's a game about partying and we don't want anything in there. That's going to make a bad party for someone. Hmm. And so like, Hey, be whatever kind of duck you want to be. So, Wonderful. Cool. So where can people find uh, your game? So you can find us on Kickstarter, Party Fowl with a W, the game of drunk ducks. You can also find it on, uh, or you can at least find information about it on our website, www.partyfowl, again with the W, thegame.com. You can check it out on Twitter, at Party Fowl Game. Uh, and you can also find updates on Facebook, Party Fowl, the game of drunk ducks. Um, also on our YouTube channel for the Mix 6, and it'll no doubt be reposted in the Kickstarter and on our website. Uh, I did a 20-minute playthrough where I just went through multiple turns of the game, uh, animating how it would be played at a table so that people can see uh, exactly how the mechanics work. We also got a really, really killer teaser video up there um, from some friends of ours who own Blend Studio, a really wonderful uh, video and animation studio. Uh, and so you can find that in the, this like terribly excellent video that Caleb's done of gameplay 
uh, on all of those mediums as well. And then you can hear more about the game uh, on the Mixed Six podcast. We've talked about Party Foul probably too much uh, to for our much to our listeners' chagrin over the last couple of months. Um, but you can find episodes of the Mixed Six podcast on iTunes. Uh, you can also find us on our website, www.themixsix.com. You can find us on Patreon and then on Twitter at The Mixed Six uh, and on Facebook. And then Caleb and I both have, you know, personal accounts. Uh, I am at Egonzord on Twitter, and I'm talking about Party Foul quite a bit. I am at Hebanon G-Cal, H-E-B-A-N-O-N-G-C-A-L. Yeah, wonderful. And we'll have links provided to uh, almost all of that uh, down below, except iTunes, because iTunes is very hard to link to, I have found. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> uh, we'll do our best. We'll definitely link to your website, though. Um, and, uh, yeah, and uh, thank you all for uh, listening to this podcast, and thank you, too, uh, for coming on and talking about your game. It was a pleasure to talk to you again, Caleb. It was a pleasure talking to you for the first time, Spencer. You as well, Ray. Thank you so much for organizing this and for inviting us. Yeah. Thank it's you. All, yeah. It's always a pleasure to talk uh, to uh, new and old friends. Uh and uh, I just wanted to thank our uh, Patreon backers, um, Patreon backers, Patreon subscribers, Patreon supporters uh, for uh, helping to make this possible and for keeping our uh, keeping our podcast running. Uh, thank you for paying for our web hosting uh, and, you know, occasionally helping me not starve. Uh, you can find us on all of the... Uh, prime social media locales uh you can find us on itunes unless that has stopped working uh you can find us on soundcloud which is probably where you're listening to this uh and of course feel free to check out a bunch of our other interviews or if you're interested in seeing some role-playing stuff or some uh board game stuff check out uh our actual plays uh but other than that uh farewell from the past i'm ray